Want to create a podcast that sounds amazing without spending a ton of money on editing? Or maybe you're ready to launch your podcast, but you feel intimidated by the technical aspects of the process. I totally get it. And guess what? I have good news for you. The DIY Podcaster course has got you covered. DIY Podcaster is designed to help you become a podcasting pro without breaking the bank. With step-by-step guidance from me, your best friend in beauty, you'll learn how to record and edit high-quality podcast episodes that sound professional and top-tier all on your own. And the best part? You don't need any previous tech experience to succeed in this course. With seven modules plus bonus material, you'll have everything you need to get your first episode recorded and edited in just one week. So why wait? Enroll in DIY Podcaster today and start creating the podcast of your dreams. It, there's definitely been a lot of change. I mean, I've, I remember even always in the background saying like, no, but we need this shade, but we need this, but we need that. And you always understand that there is, of course, a focus on business and what's going to sell and what's not going to sell. And like, you want businesses to do well and be able to sustain themselves. But it's kind of hard when you start having to explain, you know, these aren't just shades, these are people. And I think, you know, Fenty coming in did so well at making people see that it is really a need out there. All these shades really are needed. And look at how touched people are. Like you had people picking up their shades, like crying, you know, in the stores and things like that. And I think movements like that have now made it where brands realize like to play the game, we have have to have a wider assortment. And it's all about inclusivity and diversity and really considering everybody. You need to consider different skin textures, skin tones, you know, maybe even a little bit of uneven pigmentation in the lips or on the skin and things like that when creating products and thinking such on a bigger scale and a wider scope than people were before. And now actually having the backing to like quantify data to be able to say like, this is why we need it. Even if we run smaller quantities in certain shades, it's still needed. Welcome to the Friends in Beauty podcast, a safe space for ambitious beauty industry creatives to have real talk, get real answers and practical tools to grow their businesses. My name is Aquia Robinson, and I'm a makeup artist, beauty educator, and the creator of Friends in Beauty. I created Friends in Beauty to support like-minded creatives, just like you, on their quest to connect, network, and build genuine relationships within the beauty community. Join me every week as me and my special guests reveal the keys to success and longevity in the beauty industry, and most importantly, have fun while doing it. You ready? Hey, what's up? It's your best friend in beauty, Aquia Robinson. Welcome back to another episode of the Friends in Beauty podcast. I am so happy to have you here. And I hope you're listening to this episode in high spirits and in good health. Now, before we jump into today's episode, I want to share with all of my friends in beauty that this Friday, May 5th, Cinco de Mayo, of course, I am celebrating three years of the Friends in Beauty podcast. I am so excited. I don't even know how we ended up here. I guess with consistency and hard work, releasing episodes every Wednesday, I did not plan anything special or any private event or anything like that to celebrate my three years. However, your girl is going to happy hour and I'm inviting you to join me. So join me this Friday, May 5th, 
5 p.m. at Johnny Pistola's in Adams Morgan if you are in the DMV area to have a cocktail, a glass of juice or soda if you don't drink, some food, some small bites. And also one of my friends in beauty, RJ Magic, will be there, you know, to razzle dazzle us. So come out and help me celebrate. I would love to see you if you are in the area. I will leave all of the details down below. But yay to three years. Oh, my gosh. We made it. We made it to three years of the Friends of Beauty podcast. And I look forward to continuing to bring you more amazing guests and sharing their stories. And we're going to just keep this thing moving. We're going to keep it moving, y'all. All right. All right. Let's go ahead and get into it. So on this episode of the Friends in Beauty podcast, I welcome Kia Raglan, Director of Product Development, Color Cosmetics, and Skin for Kali Cosmetics to the Friends in Beauty guest chair. Kia is a proud woman of color, credited with creating beauty products and formulas for women of all complexions and skin tones. Before joining the Kylie Cosmetics and Skin team, Kia began her career as a cosmetologist and certified makeup artist that felt like she was destined for more. Her determination to be a part of change led her to continue her education at the Fashion Institute of Design and Merchandising, where she discovered product development. Product development ended up being the career that Kia knew she was destined for because as a biracial woman, she felt like she was not represented in the beauty industry, and this would allow her to be behind products that were not only meant for her skin tone and complexion, but for other women as well. As Kia began to obtain experience for being an intern at Stila Cosmetics and later working there, her career began to propel when becoming a product developer at Estee Lauder, working on the Smashbox Cosmetics brand, where she worked on the iconic team behind Smashbox's legendary Be Seen lipstick. Today, Kia is one of the lead product developers of color cosmetics and skincare at Kali Cosmetics. I had such a wonderful, wonderful time chatting with Kia. Product development is one of those things that doesn't really get talked about much in the beauty industry. So having this conversation with Kia was truly eye-opening and so much fun. In this interview, Kia shares what sparked her interest in beauty at a young age, what led her to pursue product development as a career, the product development process from idea to consumer, her opinion on the rise of celebrity beauty brands, her proudest moment as a product developer so far, spring and summer beauty trends that she's loving, what you need to become a product developer, and so much more. Let's get into it, okay? This will definitely open your eyes to another career path that you may want to take in the beauty industry. Let's go ahead and jump into this amazing chat with Kia. And if you prefer to watch our beautiful faces, then tune in on YouTube. Enjoy. Welcome to the Friends and Beauty Podcast, Kia. Hi, nice to meet you. Yes, it is so nice to meet you. I have a real live product developer in my my presence right now. So I have tons of questions. I'm a makeup artist. So I have tons of questions for you about product development and your journey and everything. So I'm super excited to have you here. <laughs> Thank you. I'm super excited to be here as well. And I'm, I'm ready to answer any question that you have. I was like, I, will, I do have NDAs, but I will try my best. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. Before we jump into it, I do want to start off with some icebreakers just to get us warmed up. And so the friends and beauty audience can get to know you a little bit outside of what you do professionally, which is super cool. Like you are like the coolest girl in the world. So Thank you. 
first one, just give us three random facts about you. Uh, okay, so I would say the, the first one is that I have a perfect color eye. I have been tested for it, so it works great for my job. And um, they say there is actually a possibility of women only having a fourth cone to see colors that others can't. I haven't been tested for that, but I have had people tell me they think I have it. So mm -hmm. I might need to look into that a little bit more, you know, add it to my resume. <laughs> you a perfect um, color eye? A perfect color eye. Wow. Yes. <laughs> and then another one is I, I have a very strong sense of smell, mm -hmm. which also helps for my job, but sometimes on a regular daily basis is a little too much for me. <laughs> like forget getting on an airplane. There is like too many scents happening on an airplane <laughs> in moments like that. And I would say another one is, oh, when I was going to cosmetology school, I thought I wanted to be a hair color specialist. Mm -hmm. And so that was for a little bit of time until I, I found product development. So always, always kind of the beauty realm. Okay. Okay. I like that. What shows are you watching right now? Oh, that's a good one. Um, let's see. I watched, I finished watching you. Oh my God. <laughs> I know. It, I always feel like I need my blinds closed now. And <laughs> I was watching you. Um, my boyfriend just got me to start watching Love is Blind. I usually cannot watch dating shows, but I started watching it. It's a little, it's a little cringy for me, <laughs> but I started watching that one. I'd say those are the top. Oh, and I like watching. Um, I am totally blanking. It's by 50 Cent. And he has like his whole series of all of the shows. I am totally you blanking on what it's read. called right now. Or, yes, all of those. Those are so good. Yeah, so I'm blank on the name right now, but I watch every single one of them as soon as the episodes come out. Yeah, I'm a big fan of those too. I just watched Ghost, the the updated one, the last episode. Oh yes, yesterday I watched BMF and all of the series. Oh, I'm really into that. Same, same. Yeah. BMF, Ghost, all of those. Okay, okay. Love is Blind. I think I caught the last season of Love is Blind and they had like a lot of like monkey wrenches thrown in there that I was like, oh my gosh, like I, I couldn't do that type of show, first of all. Like I just can't imagine like meeting my forever person that way. But if it works for some people, it works. I know. I say, you know, if you're a true believer and you feel like it can happen that fast, then good for you. I, I need to I need to know a few more questions and a few more things about your habits and your lifestyle. I need to see your swag, first of all. Like, I need to see how you walk, <laughs> how you carry yourself. There's a lot of other things that are involved in attraction for me. Like, right? How you? How are you on vacation? How do you handle stressful situations that are outside of just being on camera? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Well, I have these things called pod decks. And they oh, have okay. interesting, sometimes fun, weird questions. This is a what the heck and a would you rather. Which one would you like? Mm, that's a good one. Let's see. Maybe, maybe what the heck. What the heck? Okay. Give Kia a car that we haven't had before and that is not too strange that we're going to scare her away from the Friends of Beauty podcast. Because these <laughs> cars sometimes be... Believe me, it takes a lot to scare me away. So, <laughs> oh, this is interesting. I can't see you doing this. I don't know. I don't know. Would you ever pick up a hitchhiker? Oh no, yeah. I I will give them money to help them, but I will not pick up a hitchhiker. <laughs> that is a definite no for me. <laughs> yeah, I watch a lot of true crime. 
that's my thing. So I feel like the the soft hearted person that I am, I would want to pick up a hitchhiker, but there's also that thing in the back of my head of like, they might kill me. Like, I don't know. Right. I'll come back with water and food for you. <laughs> You're not getting in my car. <laughs> you need to call somebody for you. I got you. I got you. Exactly. <laughs> What do people always tell you that you're good at aside from what you do professionally? Oh, I would say probably that I can take clothing items and you can't tell me times I've reworn it because I wear it so many different ways. Mm. Probably helps I wear a lot of black, mm. but I mix and match all the time. Um, I remember I had one friend making a joke that was like, is it like one day a headband, another a bandeau, and next day a skirt? <laughs> I doesn't go, I'm not that extreme, of course, but it's, it's really funny that my friends are like, wow, it looks like you have so many clothes, but I think I just mix and match a lot. I like that. I like that. It makes you avoid having to buy a bandeau top, a skirt, and a headscarf. <laughs> just be creative with it exactly and then you wear it you know so many different ways you might find something new that you didn't know it might be able to do or somebody else may have not worn it that way yeah okay I like that a lot okay I need to probably take some notes from you <laughs> if you don't mind we can talk you can call me <laughs> I love asking this question when is the last time that you did something for the first time I say that's all the time. I love new experiences. Uh, just this weekend alone, I went with my boyfriend to HBO Max rap party for um, season two of Rap Shit. Oh. And so it was really cool to go. I didn't even know what a rap party was. Yeah. I didn't even know there was such a thing because I'm just not in that world. So that was cool. And then I went to a mambo dance party and it kind of like takes you back to, to 1945 and you have to go in vintage attire and there's like burlesque dancing and saxophone playing and it just kind of takes you back to those times. So that was just this weekend <laughs> of trying new things, but both were new for me. That is super cool. It sounds like you have a really exciting eventful life because I always tell people eh, it was not eventful, but it seems like you have an eventful life I like to work hard and play hard mm -hmm. uh and that's I think been a bit of a different transition for me especially since COVID I feel like I've always worked so hard and sacrificed so many things and I love what I do and I'm always going to sacrifice you know for my career and what I love but mm -hmm. sometimes I think we forget about ourselves personally and mm -hmm. things to bring ourselves joy outside of just what we do yes. so I have been actually that's something I've been working on yeah yeah does your identity get tied to what you do a lot you have to find like that separation to be just Kia that is not the professional all the time and then have another life exactly yes and especially when you go out and you tell me what you do they get so excited about it and I love it too but then I feel like then that's all I'm doing is talking about you know about and beauty all the time which I can't talk about all the time but sometimes it is nice to switch it up a bit okay okay I like that Last one, if you weren't the director of product development for Kylie Cosmetics, Kylie Skin, like what else could you see yourself doing? Anything else? See, that's hard because I do feel like being a hair color specialist was something I thought about in the past and I would still have an interest in, mm -hmm. but I just really love product development. I think even just somehow working in the beauty industry and helping to bring a little bit more inclusivity and diversity in this industry. And that's something I've worked on since the beginning in the background 
from my beginning days of creating formulas and products for, for everybody. Gotcha. Okay. Where I'm very passionate from? about it. Yeah. Where are you originally from? I'm from Tem Temecula, California. So I think that's what really helped me to get into hair and makeup mm -hmm. and being, being more true to myself because it wasn't very inclusive or diverse town at all. Mm -hmm. And it was a very interesting town for me to grow up in that I was very ready to leave. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and, but it, it gave me, I feel like my foundation to really get passionate about learning about hair and makeup and how to do it for myself mm -hmm. and then for others. Where is that? What's the closest, um, I guess, major city to that? I would say it's like borderline San Diego County. Mm -hmm. So a little bit, it's like two hours south, an hour and a half, two hours south of Los Angeles, right oh. before San Diego. So gotcha. it was kind of nice to at least be able to grow up in between the two, but mm -hmm. I was ready to leave Temecula. <laughs> Did you grow up as a creative or were you um, surrounded by creativity as a child? Oh, I wasn't surrounded by it, but I was sure figuring it out how to do it myself. I was showing up in a variety of outfits and hairstyles and things like that all the time. So it got to the point of I just I was used to I looked I got used to looking different, let's mm -hmm. just say, and embracing okay. my style and my individuality. Got you. Okay. So how did your journey in the beauty industry begin? I would say by my poor mom not knowing what to do with my hair. Um, or anything with me because I come from a, a biracial marriage and I'm of course biracial so my poor mom she had no idea what to do with all these pearls and I you know I'm dating myself probably at this point but there were you know there was no Instagram influencers YouTube really anything to be able to google how to do something how you know the the products to use the tips and tricks anything like that so I would ask different people I would see in public you know, what they put in their curls or what they did or what they had on. And I started getting a, a passion for really wanting to learn about hair and makeup. So I actually started cosmetology school when I was in high school. Mm -hmm. And a few months after getting my diploma, I had my, I got my cosmetology license. And then I also went and got courses to be a certified makeup artist, but I leave that to the professionals. Mm -hmm. I feel like it was, it was a great training for me to have a background in it. But I quickly learned that product development's more for me, even though, and I, I really respect and love all the artistry I see from all the amazing artists I've worked with mm -hmm. and see all over social, of course. Yeah. And, uh, and then I got a associates of arts in the beauty industry of merchandising and marketing at FITM and then a bachelor's of science and business management. Nice. Okay. Okay. Did you ever use, um, your cosmetology license? Were you working as a hairstylist at any point? Only in the salon at the school. And then as soon as I graduated, that's when I then wanted to take artistry courses and, and then quickly moved to Los Angeles to go to fit them, gotcha. become a product developer. Cause I always felt like I always saw all the products. Right. And I, and felt like, like, why do you have to mix so many things and match so many things and not one thing fits, you know, my hair texture, or my skin color, or any of those things. And it felt like, okay, well, is why is nobody creating these, these things? Mm -hmm. And can I be that person? And I thought I was going to have to get a business degree and combine it myself with beauty. And then when I found FITM and that they can combine both and there's such thing as product development, I felt like I found, I found my thing. I found my passion and this is what I was meant to do and to create all of these amazing products for the world. That is super cool. Like what, where were you in your journey or what was it that made you say, 
product development? Did you meet somebody that was a product developer or how did you like learn about that concept and say, let me explore it even more? I started searching online, you know, business on the beauty in the beauty industry and on the beauty side. And then I came across FITM and then you actually were able to take a career quiz of what I thought you'd be good at. And all my answers just the whole way through were all beauty and all creativity and creating products. And at the end of the quiz, it said you would be best for product development in the beauty course. Um, and I was like, that's it. It was meant to be. And I haven't stopped, you know, going full speed ahead since. I I like that. Okay. So what was your experience like so far, I guess, in the beauty industry leading up to where you are now being the director of product development? What kind of um, opportunities did you get from, you know, the degrees and everything that you got? I would say I did a lot of internships and I showed up to every event I could show up to. If I was allowed there, I was there. And I had my little Vista print business cards that said <laughs> beauty professional on them. I was making everybody take those cards. <laughs> um, it almost became a joke to people that, you know, I know now like, oh my gosh, like you and your cards, you were everywhere. And I was just networking and working the rooms and I was offering my services to everybody. If you could use me, if you wanted my advice, you need help with anything, I would be there. And so it really helped me to get my foot in the door in this really small industry at the time. Well, I would say it is still a small industry in terms of on the manufacturing side and development side and corporate side. But overall, of course, we know this industry is really blowing up. And I just started helping. I became an intern at Smashbox Cosmetics for a while and Artistry of Education. I interned at Beauty Collection, evaluating what products they took into store and giving my advice on which ones I thought they should take into store. Uh, I started interning at Stila and product development and packaging where that's who really gave me one of my biggest starts. And they actually created a role for me to be a coordinator of product development and packaging before I even graduated college. And so I was running like kits and sets and looking at with uh, quality insurance on all the submissions of bulk and things like that and working product development and packaging. I was doing like cost of goods and bill of materials and assembly instructions. I was doing it all, which was such a great learning and base for me to build off of. Mm -hmm. And I then was approached after Stila by Jue Cosmetics, and I became also a practical and packager there. And I quickly found that I am very more like edgy in artistry. And so when I saw that Smashbox, was hiring and that they were an Estee Lauder brand on the West Coast, I was like, I need to be there. That's where I need to be. And so I got very fortunate to get my start there. And for eight years, worked my way up from assistant manager to director running, I would say a large amount of the launches really growing within the brand, had amazing opportunities and did some of their biggest launches ever in color. That that just sounds so exciting. I feel like that's like a makeup. I'm a makeup artist. So that's like a makeup artist dream to be on the back. Well, for, at least for me to be on the back end of what products are able to come out, having a, a decision making power in those type of things that get released to the world. I just cannot imagine like the excitement and the, the not the anxiety, but I could. that's like a serious thing. I feel like because like the company is kind of betting on you to provide this insight as to what the consumer is going to enjoy and purchase and make money. Oh, the pressure, <laughs> the pressure is, is definitely ridiculous. 
but I think it's what makes it also exciting if you can handle it, right? If you can handle the pressure, then it's very exciting because you kind of have to follow your gut at times, right? Like I'm sure like for you as a makeup artist, you kind of follow your instincts of what might look best in a look or on somebody's certain type of like skin tone or texture or things like that. And so it's kind of following your, your gut instinct of, in a year, because we also developed, you know, out to a year worth to get all the testing and regulations and everything correct. Mm-hmm. It takes about a year. So we actually have to predict in a year what is going to be trending, you know, what shades are going to be trending, what formulas are going to be trending, what looks are going to be trending. And so we have to predict that. And if, let's say, for instance, all of a sudden the industry shifts and you're making a matte product and all of a sudden it's going to be dewy you have a bit of a problem <laughs> because mm-hmm. that's going to make you make your dollars for the year. And you don't want to be the one that fought, you know, until the end for this matte product that now is not even going to be the trend or creating shades that in a year are going to be popular or trending shades and things like that. So it's, it's a lot of times following your intuition and really knowing that you have this natural gut instinct for what mm-hmm. this industry possibly needs and kind of starting to recognize what trends are going to be coming. Wow. Okay. Cause that was one of my questions that I had for later is like based off of the beauty trends or just making predictions, like aside from intuition, like how are you really able to know a year out, like what's going to be still relevant in the beauty space? I feel like in general, I feel like there's usually a good trend of what kind of happens each season, right? Like spring, everybody wants to start doing like the lighter shades, pastels. We're kind of starting to fade out, you know, the winter and we're bringing in a little bit more sunshine and color and brightness into our lives, right? So that's where you kind of bring in the lighter things, the more natural looks. And then you start going into summer where people are going out, you know, they're in the sun, they want the bold, the bright, um, fresh skin SPFs that are great for when you're in the sun. And fall is like when people start trying new like foundations, concealers, mascaras, things like that a little bit more. Even spring at times, I would say, are good for mascaras. And then for winter and holiday, that's when people like want to try new products or like things that are giftable for friends or things along those lines. So it's it kind of has its its usual cadence, I would say. But what falls in between that that's different is what key trends might be at the time or looks might be at the time or we can't always predict what's going to go viral. So hopefully having a product that can hit those viral trends. Right. And then uh, usually colors, you can use really good outlets like Pantone and things like that. You kind of know and seeing a shift of really cool colors that are going to come and then how to turn that into your own style and maybe into products that you're working on and that fit your brand. Gotcha, gotcha. When it comes to innovation though, like developing a product that is unique in a sense, like that hasn't been really done before. Is there a way to predict that? Because I, I feel like I've kind of seen where if a if a brand comes out with kind of like a new packaging style for a, a powder or something like that, then eventually with very shortly, you'll see another brand kind of like with the similar packaging. Like, is there a way to predict that? Do y'all have like a little secret society or something where you all are like discussing the next big thing in beauty? I would say we we definitely have major trade shows every year and throughout the year, the trade shows, everybody comes and kind of shows their best. And you can see the shift in terms of like new technology of raw materials that are coming and formulations that are happening and maybe new forms of packaging that's being tooled and created. And so that's really where you get what's happening in the background 
and you can get inspiration off of like what's soon to come. So an example could be, for instance, if like you start seeing tons of a special type of pearl everywhere, like a duochrome, right? Where a duochrome is like uh, a pearl that flips. And so yeah. you see multiple colors in that yeah. one shade, which we all love so much and they're so expensive. <laughs> um, <laughs> but those ones, they are now there's like tri-colors and that's a new technology of being able to see three flips in one, which makes it even more expensive, but it's so beautiful. And yeah. so things like that, you start seeing coming through the pipeline. So then now all of a sudden, you're like, why is it all these products you're seeing multiple flips more than just the two? And it's because now there's a new technology of a tricolor pearl that's coming through and like a trichrome almost. And so things like that, you can get inspiration from, but it's always basically starting from like the nitty gritty of the base of the new technology and the science behind it and things like that to, to shift into it. Or even with packaging and everybody wanting to be sustainable, people are trying to find new materials to use or like upcycled materials on how to make certain goods and, and packaging that, that still works and is compatible with our formulas, but is more sustainable since we are one of the biggest, I would say, wasteful industries, sad to say. Yeah. So things like that, you can tell in terms of movements of the world and the industry of things that we try to also solve problems and, and work together to, to make everything better and mm -hmm. go in the same direction for everybody. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense to me because I, I'm always curious about that. Like, I, it's a lot of brands that I love and they just come out with products. I'm like, how did you know that this is going to be fire? Like, how did you know? How did you know? But that makes a lot of sense. That makes, do you think that you have to live in a major city? If somebody wants to do product development, do you have to live in a major city in order to fulfill that kind of role? That's something that I told myself. I mean, I don't think I, I would have changed to do anything different, but sometimes I'm like, wow. You know, I, I am very limited on where I, I can live and it's either Los Angeles, New York, Milan. I mean, they're not horrible places to live, but <laughs> you know, they're expensive places to live, but you're a little bit more limited because that's where a lot of the brands are or the manufacturing and you kind of don't want to just move to like the Midwest where maybe you'd have to do all virtual and, and what I do for being product development is so hands-on. Yeah, so maybe if you're like a freelancer, you can live anywhere and just fly in to where you're needed, which sounds like a dream to me. <laughs> maybe I need to look into that. <laughs> but um, for the most part, you kind of want to be where the hubs are. She got you. Okay. What's your favorite part about product development and then like your least favorite part? My favorite part is for sure the ideation and coming up with everything. I love being creative and finding new ways to use raw materials or maybe even seeing a base that, in, you know, inspires something that could work really well and just running with it from there and seeing if it works because there's so much trial and error. You don't always know when you start mixing things and everything like that, how temperamental a new formula is going to be. So there's a lot of trial and error. And when you get it, it's so rewarding. I love it. I love walking through a Sephora or an Ulta and hearing somebody be like, I just love that product. And I'm like, oh, she was the one that created it. Yeah. And so like, and I worked, I worked on that one. It's very rewarding. Mm -hmm. And I never say anything. I'm always like quiet in the background, but it's, it's so exciting. <laughs> it's so exciting. Like nice to hear somebody rave about how amazing something is that you worked on. Mm -hmm. And I would say a very, the part that I'm not as big of a fan is probably when it comes to um, 
all of like the the budgeting let's say or like this you know strategy behind it I get it it makes sense it's business but at times I'm like I want the tricolor pearl you know it's like <laughs> you know it's so expensive it'll be so good and yeah. so for me being more creative it's like I just I really want to love to put everything in there I possibly can but sometimes of course to keep a business running you have to make sure it has a profit so that's our part and then also you just can't always predict what might happen. You might have like a shortage of a raw material or something mm-hmm. not might not pass a certain testing. And so then something that is like your baby that you love and you just can't wait for the world to see it and might not even see the light of day because it's something that happened in the background that people aren't even aware of. Right. Wow. Wow. Mm-hmm. Oh, so many things to consider. That is so interesting. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. So what would you say like a typical day in the life is for you now in the position that you are in as a director? I don't think there is a typical day. Mm-hmm. I joke and I say that you can't have like ADD, ADHD, OCD. <laughs> like you can, <laughs> you can, but it's very challenging to have any of those things because you have to be able to really pivot quickly and be a problem solver and be very focused and, and know that every, you can't predict what your priority list is going to be. It might look like one thing in the morning and then you start getting some emails come in or a phone call or something. And it's like something that you thought was going well can all of a sudden be your fire. (laughs) And so you just don't know. So each day it could be maybe evaluating model shots, looking at formulas arriving in the mail, arranging to travel, to go to a last minute onsite or to go, you know, to go to a lab, to work on a formula it could be having meetings to discuss upcoming launches or trends or how we want to approach certain formula launches. It could be anything. So things like that definitely keep me on my toes. And then working with a team and all of us having our own programs and leading some of those, it, it really makes it so you never know what each day is going to entail. <laughs> Sounds like the typical day of a creative. <laughs> you just got to roll with the punches. Definitely. <laughs> what? Well, you did mention that it normally takes like a year for like the product development process and for a product to hit the market. What exactly is the product development process? What is going on within that year? Like a lot of testing, a lot of meetings, a lot of trial and error, like going back to the drawing board. Like what is what is actually going on? I would say a lot of that for sure. There's first as depending on the brand, some brands are more PD driven and some are more marketing driven and, or it could be a mixture of both depending on where you're at. But I would say overall, you really need to get everybody's buy-in. So you, when you find a formula and a lot of times in the background for PD, like what we'll do is because we know that when we work with other departments, not everybody's going to maybe be as visual. So like, I love working with artistry all the time because they usually see pretty eye to eye in terms of what we're trying to go for and what we're envisioning. But then it's getting the other departments a lot of times on board that maybe might not even be makeup wares, but are, are very well at their departments and running the business. Mm-hmm. So it's really getting the buy-in of everybody of working on this formula. So sometimes we'll do little adjustments in the background and work on things in the background until we get the formula to a good enough place where we feel like, okay, this is in a really good place where we feel like, even if it's not the right shade, for instance, right? Like the shade might be a little off or something like that might be a little off, but it might be in a good enough place to really start showing people Mm -hmm. because you don't want to show them too early and then them not like it and kind of like sway them to be scared to try it in the future. Right. So we get it to a good enough place to start showing everybody. 
they start trying it. And that's when you start kind of building the excitement and the momentum. And then once it gets in approved as a program, that's when you can really start making all the adjustments, kicking it off and working with the manufacturers and the chemists. And from there, it just goes kind of through the whole line of, you know, marketing, getting prepared, sales, getting prepared, um, supply chain, getting ready, social media, and everybody kind of gearing up for what's soon to come for this product and how we, how we want to present it to the world, how we want to launch it. And then we start looking at like shade arrangements and things like that. How many SKUs you want, our space on the gondola, or if it's going to be online only, what regions are going to be getting it. So there's a lot that really goes into it. I just had this thought and I really, I'm really enjoying this conversation only because there are still a lot of people who may get like some pushback from their family for wanting wanting to pursue a career in like the beauty industry because they don't know all the different things that go on in the beauty industry. Like this is so mind blowing to me because I know when I became a makeup artist, people were like, you going to do what? you go do makeup, but the product development side, I feel like that would just make somebody's parents like so proud to know that their child is behind the scenes in this way. And not just you, like all of the, all of the different moving parts that you just mentioned, like people have to fulfill those roles. So I'm just so excited for somebody to hear this is like to present it to their parents and be like, look, this is what I want to do. And this is what's involved in it. And I can make a career out of this and be successful. Like, this is so fascinating. It's, I I mean, my parents were questioning it for sure. In the beginning, they were like, you're going to end up back in our house. (laughs) And I was like, I will never end up back in your house. Believe me, I will find a way. So yeah, my parents at first didn't get it, but they're, they're very proud now. And I remember even being in some of my classes in, in high school and I've always been more creative. If I like something, it's easy for me to learn. If I don't like it, it's, it's challenging for me. Mm -hmm. So if I love it, like math and science or things like that, it, it's very easy for me, but history, forget it. <laughs> so things like that. So I would sometimes be in the class and I would start maybe doing somebody else's hair, or I would start, you know, doing, giving somebody makeup for hair tips. And then the teachers, I remember one time a teacher said, you know, Kia, that's not going to, that's not what is going to be what pays your bills and makes you successful is doing hair and makeup. I want to visit the teacher now, but <laughs> right, I want to see her now. Okay. She probably looked raggedy too. <laughs> so she was like that's not how you're going to make a living in your in your life you can't make a career out of that you have to pay attention to the books so I, I should go back and pay her a visit but these are the same people that go to the hair salon every so often and get their hair done and you know get makeup for special occasions sometimes you know don't listen to them don't listen to them at all <laughs> What are your thoughts on private label, like versus developing a product in the lab, like from scratch? You know, I, I say this industry is so big that it's kind of like to each their own. I know that some people feel like they might have an idea, but they might not be a developer, you know? So if maybe somebody's a marketer, for instance, and they have a great idea of what they might want, then I understand why they would go to private label because it's having somebody else help support them and creating their their ideas. And it's kind of using your expertise where you can and then working with others to kind of help fulfill that mm-hmm. versus if I wanted, for instance, create my own brand, I know the development side, but I would probably reach out, you know, to somebody, let's say on the marketing side to help me from that, from that angle. So it's, I think, kind of figuring out where your strengths are and then bringing others in to, to fulfill your vision. So I say teach their own for that one, but private label is a lot. I would say 
there's still, of course, a lot of work that goes into it. It's just a different approach. Yeah, because they have to have product developers, I imagine, for private label things as well. Yes, it's just a little bit more, I would say it's a little bit in a in a prettier bow. Mm-hmm. I would say because a lot more of it's been like trial and error and it's already been kind of in a, in a, put in a better place because there's a lot of times that I try things and I might have a breakout because maybe it wasn't stable enough or didn't have a high enough level of preservatives mm-hmm. or also I start having a weird scent, which my sense of smell, like I pick it up right away and I say, something's not smelling right here. I think something's wrong with the base. Can you go check it out? And it's either maybe it's like there's something in a raw material or, you know, like I mentioned, the preservative system not being high enough. So I would say we're more like the guinea pigs and really doing a lot of trial and error on our end. I might have flaky brows one day or the wrong or a breakout or my lips peeling. Like it's not always the prettiest, but in the end, it's very rewarding. But private label, you kind of know that it's, it's in a better place, gotcha. I would say. Got you. Okay. Also, what's your opinion on, because a lot of people have opinions about this. I don't necessarily have one. I think it's great. But what's your opinion on like the rise of celebrities entering the beauty space? People are always complaining about all these celebrity brands of skincare and makeup and everything. But I'm like, they got to live too. But what's your opinion? I would say for them, from the business side, it makes sense. And it's very smart because they're coming in with their names, with their following, their fans, they're going to are going to buy their products, right? Because they have such a major following. And this is a very, I would say, very quickly expanding and growing industry and very lucrative. Yeah. So it makes it so that I feel like everyone wants to put their hands in it. So it makes sense to me from a celebrity side. But I think for me as a developer, sometimes I think like, oh, it would be, I would love to be able to create a brand. But now how would I compete with like a Rihanna or a Lady Gaga or something like that right Mm -hmm. because people know who these artists are and they know them for being major celebrities around the world and Mm -hmm. then how would I compete with that as a developer even though I know I know product but they're major faces that are known worldwide so I don't think it's a bad thing I think it's just one of those things where it's kind of like Oh, I wish, you know, I wish that there would be more of a chance for maybe everyday people. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Got you, got you. Well, I have a never have a ever question for you that I'm going to give you. If this has happened to you before, you can share the story behind it. If not, what advice would you give to manage the expectations, I guess, of another product developer if this happens to them? So question I have, never have I ever developed a product that didn't perform well in the marketplace has that ever happened before where you all go through like the whole process and then it hits the market and it's kind of like not that it's crickets but it just didn't do as well as you thought it was going to do okay so I I have experienced this I will not I can't say what it is but I will say I will say it was not the formula's fault um last minute there was like a change in packagers and the packager put the wrong applicator in the product. Mm-hmm. So everything affects the performance of a product. And so as developers, we work very closely with packaging to evaluate, you know, if it's in a tube, how it's being dispensed properly, if it has like a, you know, a dough foot with a certain type of blocking, which are like little pieces that come off of it, like how does that pick up and lay down the product? And that all affects the performance of it. And last minute, there was a change in packagers. 
they went with a different doe foot that didn't have the proper flocking on it. So a lot of people thought it was a lip product and not an eye product. So they weren't using it properly to understand what it really was. And then they weren't able to get really enough pickup with it um, to really have like the payoff that it was meant to have. So I feel like the formula didn't get the light of day that it, it deserves, but things like that always happen. And it's, I would say my biggest tip to another developer is that nobody's perfect. There's a lot of moving parts and it's not always in the moment having to take responsibility necessarily, because I think that's a lot of times a big thing that people think is that they right have to take responsibility, which is great. But I also think it's, how do you fix it and how do you go moving forward? Because we're such a fast paced industry. It's kind of hard to have to live and dwell in a moment. It's, mm-hmm. it's really great to be able to pick up and go and say, you know what, that, that was unfortunate, but how can I fix this or learn from it moving forward? And how can I just make it that much better in the future? And how could this be a learning? Yeah. Are there any consequences to that on the, on the business side? Do you all get like fussed out? Cause I would imagine like, that's a lot of money that kind of got wasted in a sense. So do you have to go back to the drawing board and then repackage it the correct way? Or do you just take it as a loss? So it depends. I would say it depends on if you feel like it's worth it, then you can repackage it. Or maybe you could quickly work with the supplier to turn it around and maybe they're willing to right away make, you know, new components. And then you also have to work with the formula supplier to be able to make new bulk. So it's, it kind of depends on if you want to just cut your losses or if you believe in it enough to really make those adjustments and then kind of phase into it moving forward, Mm -hmm. especially if it's a core item or a limited edition. So luckily it was a limited edition. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It was not core, thank goodness. So I think that was also an easier way to take the, to take the blow, let's say. Um, So that, but that was a definitely a one that you, you can't necessarily control yourself, right? You know, you also have to have trust in all the other experts in the other departments to work with you. Mm-hmm. So it's one of those things where sometimes you have to realize no matter what you do, there's things you just can't control. Got you. Yeah, absolutely. And just on a personal note, that's, a, I've been learning to just, I've been learning to just the things that you can't control, just don't even dwell on it because that's just going to cause more heartache, whether it's personal, business, anything. If you can't, if it's not in your control, then just release it. <laughs> Completely agree. Yes. Right. Because that's, that's your health, right? As we learn more and more that stress is one of the biggest things that really weighs on you. So especially being in beauty, right? We, we want to stay looking young. So <laughs> Don't be aging yourself out here. Yeah. <laughs> aside, aside from like testing the products on yourself, I'm pretty sure that's fun. You probably have a lot of fun at work testing out different products. Aside from that though, like how do you all test out the effectiveness of a product before launching it? Do you have like focus groups or influencers? Like how are you testing out the response and if the product actually works? So we, on the back end, we test with, of course, anything um, in terms of ingredients that are being added and what percentage we need to add them at for them to be effective. Mm -hmm. So we do a combination of things. We'll do first testing the formula itself and see how it performs and what ingredients we really need to deliver what we're going for. So for instance, you see tons of hyaluronic acid and niacinamide everywhere because We've all learned and through testing have found that those both really hydrate the skin and are great ingredients to add to make anything a little bit more hydrating, moisturizing, 
and so forth to the skin. So those kind of become like the work workhorses that we know work. Mm-hmm. So things like that are like your tried and true. And, but you always need to test for everything. And then also what percentage you need based off like the base that you're using it in and how that performs together. And then a lot of times then we'll put it into claims testing on how do we test? How long is it moisturizing or how long is the wear of this product? And some go as far to consumer testing and panel testing. And then that's when you start kind of seeing the statistics of like hundred percent in 30 days that it was moisturizing, which yes. is different from like, this is moisturizing for eight hours mm-hmm. because one is more of your scientific testing and one is more of like your consumer panel testing. And mm-hmm. so some brands do it differently depending on what fits their brand better, but it's always great. I think to have the scientific, of course, because that's just written on paper, you know, that's what it's supposed to do. Mm-hmm. And then the consumer's perspective is in my opinion, a great add on to say like it moisturized for eight hours and hundred percent felt like it did. Yes, I love that. Oh my gosh. Okay. Well, what has been your proudest moment so far as a product developer? I would say I was featured with two other amazing women of color for Smashbox Cosmetics Be Seen Lipstick. Okay. And it it was an amazing moment to have Donald Robertson, which is like a big Canadian artist, do like sketches of the three of us. And we're, we're literally on the cartons, like our character oh, sketches yeah. on the cartons, our names are on it. You did. It's, it's so cool. And, um, it won an uh, Ebony award. Like it's kind of like who needs another red lipstick, but what made it so special is the way the three of us work together. Myself as the product developer, Lori Taylor Davis, which is the face of Smashbox Cosmetics as you know, the head artist. And then Stella Nanoy, which is a big chemist within Estee Lauder. And both of these women have decades of experience. So to be featured with them and me, the developer that's like holding the lipstick in the sketch, um, Lori holding the brush and Stella holding like a beaker. It was such an amazing moment because the formula I worked on and created with Stella and Lori, of course, helped in terms of like testing it as an artist. Mm-hmm. And then down the line, when this idea came up, the three of us combined together we're like what shade do we do and we're like red is a powerful statement color especially when we were in COVID and people wanted to be on camera and things like that we're like you put on a red lip and you feel like you're invincible right but we're like how do we do it differently so it's very proprietary so I can't get as into it but there's certain pigments that we used to be able to balance out like it not being too dark and have too much depth but also not being too vibrant and having a little bit of cool tones without going like too blue and taking it down to be too dark. Mm -hmm. And so it was this amazing balance of pigments and us speaking to it. And all three of us tried it on. We tried it on friends and family and it went as far as to even at the shoot, we had women of color as the makeup artist, as the hairstylist, as the photographer. And it was such an amazing movement that then, and it did so well that then Ulta picked it up and now it's online and in stores at Ulta. Mm-hmm. And we were featured in Essence, uh, won an Ebony Award for the best red lipstick, was on Good Day LA and it just keeps going. Mm-hmm. And I would say that's, it's been very exciting for me coming from a biracial, you know, like marriage and household and me not having a woman of color other than myself in my own house, which I had to learn a lot about to them being featured with these other amazing women and a part of this movement. So I, it made me feel like moments like this make it so rewarding. And like, this is where I'm supposed to be. Yeah. That is so amazing. Is it like a limited edition thing or is it going to be like a a standing color and almost with Smashbox? 
it was supposed to be a one-time run limited edition mm. and it did so well that they reproduced it even down to like the special like limited deco that's on the component of like a heart going into an x and uh, the card with all of our faces on it yeah. it was it was really supposed to be just like this one-time run that was like a passion program that we were all doing on our free time, not even during work hours all the time. Mm -hmm. And, um, to then also being like, no, we want it. So then they re-ran the components, they re-ran the cartons, they re-ran the lipstick, everything to now have it produced and to be as is, um, core for now, at least from aware of, which is very exciting. Yeah. That's really cool. When I did take a look at it, what I did love was that it was so it was such a universal red that it looked good on all of y'all like different skin tones y'all looked amazing but as a biracial woman who loves beauty of course like what changes have you seen as far as inclusivity and seeing yourself represented in beauty with brands over the years it there's definitely been a lot of change i mean i've I remember even always in the background saying like no but we need this shade but we need this but we need that and you always understand that there is of course a focus on business and what's going to sell and what's not going to sell. And like, you want businesses to do well and be able to sustain themselves. But it's kind of hard when you start having to explain, you know, these aren't just shades, these are people. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, Fenty coming in did so well at making people see that it is really a need out there. All these shades really are needed and look at how touched people are like you had people picking up their shades like crying you know in the stores and things like that and i think movements like that have now made it where brands realize like to play the game we have we have to have a wider assortment and it's all about inclusivity and diversity and really considering everybody you need to consider different skin textures skin tones yeah you know maybe even a little bit of uneven pigmentation in the lips or on the skin and things like that when creating products and thinking such on a bigger scale and a wider scope than people mm-hmm. were before. And now actually having the backing to like quantify data to be able to say like, this is why we need it. Even if we run smaller quantities in certain shades, it's still needed mm-hmm. because we need to include everybody. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so that's something that I've always tried to do in the background, but it it makes it so much easier when you have quantified data for it. Yeah, yeah. Behind the scenes, are there a lot of people who can advocate the way that you advocate for um, inclusivity with the products? I would say definitely within certain corporations or companies that are a little bit bigger and things mm-hmm. like that, um, depending on, I guess, your seat at the table at times. And then also some of the indie brands, I feel like you wear a lot more hats. So I would say really do it's, it's really who's at the table and who are the key decision makers. But I think now more people, thank goodness are being heard. And I'm, I'm very, I'm very glad that we're in that place now and that it's going in that direction. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I love it. I love it. Are there any beauty trends that you have your eye on that you're loving for spring and summer? I definitely am. I'm, I'm trying out and I'm working on the underpainting, which Mary Phillips, you know, she's been making that so big and looking so great on everybody. I was like, I need to try this. I haven't done it yet. I think I need to try it like tomorrow. So that's one. I don't know if you have any tips, but if you have any tips as an artist, let me know. So that's, that's Mm -hmm. on my list to try and, um, statement brows. I'm such a brow gal. 
I love brows. I, I have like a love hate with them, right? Because when they don't look right, it changes your whole face and you can't get them even after remember their, their sister's oh. not twins. Um, but cousins, okay. They are distinct. Right. One looks like you're a little excited, more excited than the other one sometimes. Um, so I feel like statement brows I like the idea of putting a little bit of shimmer in the brow or something like that where it's like maybe if the light hits it you see a little bit of it but I know some are going all out with like old colors and they I know all over the fashion runways you saw ones that were like pierced and that had different glitters in them and colors in them so I love that we're that brows are making a comeback mm -hmm. and then uh for sure pastels especially with us being in spring and summer but I feel like we've seen that before pastels, you know, so I like the approach of doing more like a wash of color. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of taking it in and kind of sharing it out a bit where you see a little bit of kind of just like a wash over the lid. I really like, and then you can never beat a highlighter. I feel like highlighters are going to come and go, but different types of highlighters, but we're always going to use them in some form. Right. So I love using a liquid when it's more natural and then uh, powder layered over a liquid to really do that kind of in between, I think we're shifting to of not having the full dewy skin all the time or the matte skin all the time, but that nice sheen and that healthy looking skin mm -hmm. where you just have like the highlight and the dewiness in the targeted spaces. Those mm -hmm. are, I'd say some of the tops that I'm really liking. Okay, I like, I love a good glow. I love a good glow. Me too. Like very simple, but I love lips. I love lipstick. I gotta have a lip color, and I love like glow. Cause anytime I have highlighter on, people are like, "What? It, what's that on your cheek?" I'm like, girl, get into it. <laughs> I got a glow for sure. Me too. Do you have any tips for other beauty professionals who want to possibly add a product into their, I guess, their revenue stream in order for them like be successful? added like you mentioned like there are celebrity brands that you know people will gravitate towards just naturally but like you said what about the consumers if they want to add something like any tips to stand out I would say anything that is instant I would say especially with the way we are with social media and with our attention spans these days anything that shows an instant impact is what really makes it great whether it's an instant impact to a skincare item that you put on and you see like a major shift in the skin all of a sudden or mascara that all of a sudden your lashes went from dead to alive and you have a full winged look or an eyeshadow that you apply and it has like this amazing sparkle that comes out. I would say anything that's very instant and gratifying that somebody can capture on social media, those are the biggest ones that you're really going to get to even possibly go viral and have people want to try it because they can see that gratification i like that i like that advice a lot like instant gratification also like simple because i noticed that a lot of women i mean we're into makeup and everything but a lot of women they struggle with like what we would deem as like basic application they're like i don't even know where to start so i would imagine right. something that's simple and that gives that instant like oh i, I feel like i actually did something and i don't look crazy exactly i know because i mean sometimes when they tell you oh wait like a week or two weeks to see a difference and like let's say you're under eye bags with an eye cream and you're like i spent 50 dollars on this eye cream i want to see my eyes overnight uh, yes yeah. <laughs> i got a date tonight he's about to pull up I need, to, you know, I, I need it now exactly yeah. oh my goodness if someone that is listening to this wants to get into product development 
how do they go about that? Do they need like prior experience or is prior experience required of you for this type of job or is being a makeup artist good enough and having product knowledge already? Like, is there a set of things that you have to do? Like, how do they get into it? I would say I've trained a variety of different skill sets of people that have wanted to be product developers. Mm -hmm. And I think it's a natural instinct, either you have it or you don't. And I think sometimes it's really just knowing product and having a vision for it and having that gut instinct to create it. And then being able to really see color and envision these products and envision these colors. And just because you pick up something that's supposed to be, for instance, like a, a moisturizer, right. And you pick it up and you're like, yeah, this is supposed to be a moisturizer, but something about the texture of it's really great. I wonder if somehow we increase the viscosity, which is like the thickness of it. I wonder if somehow we could turn it into a primer and mm. somehow it's like a moisturizing primer or something like that, where it's not seeing something for what it is, but what it could be yeah. and having that eye for it. So I would never say that certain people can or can't be a product developer. I think it's that natural instinct and in seeing how somebody is in the environment to really know. But I would say a big part is, you know, enjoying makeup and having a passion for it in general and having an idea at least on how to apply it so you can evaluate it as a consumer to know what adjustments you can make for it, like to it and what consumers would be looking for. Mm -hmm. And then um, I would say having like really more of an artistry, like outside of the box kind of visionary when it comes to all the products. So you're not creating what's out there already because we already have tons of it right so why copy what's there when we can create new yes yes I like it I like it so we have a chance I feel like I have a chance (laughs) one day if I choose yes (laughs) one thing that I love to talk about is like relationships community networking all of those things that's what friends and beauty was built off of community and especially networking so I would love to know how have you leveraged the relationships that you built over the years at the different brands and just meeting people in the industry to enhance your career at this point it's a very small industry and I would say that I believe in your, your work really showing and you don't, you run into some difficult personalities, you know, here and there, and we're mostly like a female dominant industry. So there are a lot of sometimes emotions running, (laughs) Uh, (laughs) but it, it makes it so that you really do build great relationships and people, you know, switch brands or switch, you know, like manufacturers and things like that. And so you also kind of figure out, you know, who are the people you could call to to maybe get guidance or help or advice of, you know, I can maybe call like a friend that's a chemist and say, oh my gosh, I'm having this crazy issue with this formula. And I feel like you might be the person to be able to help me. And you can do it in a way that's confidential because you respect them on that level where they can help you with it and not exactly know what your product is for your brand and not cross over like that line and boundary. Or you can, or you might get a phone call one day and somebody might be like, oh my gosh, I thought of you for this opportunity that I heard about at this brand or whatever it may be. I think you have the proper skill set for it. Do you want me to send over your resume? Send you, send me your most up-to-date resume and things like that. So you start hearing about opportunities that you don't even know exist yet and haven't even really like hit the market or the websites or anything like that of the job sites. Mm-hmm. And then having those that can really help to support you and back you when you are trying to make something remarkable 
and utilizing those great contacts to help you to get there. Yeah, yeah. Okay, I like that. I like that a lot. So at the end of the day, Kia, what do you want your legacy to be? What do you want to leave the beauty industry having contributed? Like, Have you thought about that before? I think about it every day. I feel like I haven't come to like a specific answer, let's say, but every day I strive to just create amazing products for everybody, no matter who you are, what you look like, what your skin type is, what your skin tone is. It's just making amazing products for everyone. And I just want to leave this industry with, I would say, leaving some type of mark on it of how products are looked at and how they're created and how others are considered when these are being created and what they really do for people. Because we might see it as just a lipstick, but that lipstick might've been what somebody needed to push them through their day to make them get the job, have the confidence to get the job that they wanted or to like leave their house to go meet people that they maybe would have never met. And it just is, I think, a way to build confidence and touch others through, through something that can bring them a different type of gratifying feeling, mm-hmm. let's say. Okay. Anything coming up next for you? You have anything on the horizon? I would say there's a few things to come that I can't talk about yet, but are very exciting. So I can't wait for a couple of big things to come. Uh, I would say the be seen in Altas is new as of end of February, beginning of March this year of them reproducing it and going in stores because it came out originally July of last year. Mm-hmm. So that's new and exciting news, but there's definitely a lot more to come, especially now that I'm at Kylie Cosmetics. I started here. Uh, mid to end of last year. So I'm I'm in the works of things with the team and we're very excited for what's to come. Yay. How was your transition? Was it a good transition for you to move over to that brand? It's good. It's 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 different going from a corporation to a celebrity, but it's all very fun. And it's I think it's exciting to be able to learn in different environments and really build and grow on your on your skill sets because Sometimes different things are required or just looked at differently. So it helps you to kind of just become a more well-rounded developer. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. This has fulfilled me so much. You have no idea like the amount of questions that I had. I feel like I have a lot more clarity on product development. And it also makes me like the, the products that I love. It makes me appreciate them so much more knowing that somebody's behind the scenes making these these difficult decisions on our behalf to have a product that we love and it takes so long and the process, I just, it, I appreciate you all. Like you, the other product developers, y'all are doing important work out here. Okay. For us beauty pros. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. I know. I love it. And I'm, I am excited for people to learn more about it and what really goes into it because sometimes you'll have products come out and launch on the market and people just really tear them to the ground. And mm-hmm. I think, you know, it's, it's good to be able to give an opinion and everybody of course has one, but sometimes to really understand that this was like a year of making and work that went behind it and not everything's going to be the best. I don't think everything's the best, but just to understand that there was like a lot of blood, sweat and tears that went into a lot of things that you put it on in a second and you're already, you mm-hmm. know, talking about it. I don't really understand maybe all the technicalities that might've happened or things like that while going through the process. Yes. So I think it's great yeah. for people to learn just more. Yeah. Before you go, I have to ask you the friends and beauty rapid fire questions. Okay. What advice from you? So whatever comes to your mind first, you can just spit it out. So the first one I have for you, 
what are the top three keys to your success so far? I would say hard work, hard work and dedication for sure. Uh, internships, big, they really help you with networking and to learn a lot of things. And it helps because they're not putting a, a, a lot of risk into you right as an intern. So you're able to really get in the door and show them what you're worth. And I think that's a great way to do it. Um, and I would say another one is just really believing in yourself and, and respecting others along the way. I think some people think that you have to do certain things to get to certain places. And I think if you do it and show respect in, to those around you and to let your work show, I think that says a lot. Absolutely. How do you measure your success? That's a hard one. I'm very hard on myself. So every time I get to where I think I want to be, I feel like there's still so much more I want to do. So I would say just, just how I feel and what, what I'm currently working on and what I'm creating and just what I've done is sometimes I do have to look back on certain things and remind myself of some of my achievements yeah. and that, and that really helps me. Yeah. What's the best advice you've ever received or a piece of advice that's just always stuck with you throughout life? You know, one of them was I, in my beginning years, I was presenting products to big groups of a variety of people and I would present them products and ideas and they'd be like, okay, go for it, make it. I'd come back and it'd be made exactly how I envisioned it. Like if not better. And I'd be so excited to present it. And then people would be like, this isn't what I was thinking, or it's not what I thought, or the shade is a little darker than I thought it would be. Or, you know, there'd be so many opinions on it. And mm -hmm. I remember I had another developer pull me to the side that had been in it for, for, I want to say like a decade at that point. And she said to me, like, you know, Kia, you're a very visual person, luckily, and don't take that for granted how much you can visualize and see things. Mm -hmm. And not everybody can. And she said, so a lot of times you can tell these people what something's going to look like, but they really don't know until they actually see it. Yeah. And so that was something I always keep in mind when I'm creating anything is I'm going to do my best to present it as possible. And just know when I come back and show it to everybody that it may not be what they envisioned, even if it's what I envisioned. And then we'll just figure out how to make it the best it can be for everybody. Mm -hmm. Okay. What advice would you give to another product developer right now who is just not really enjoying their job? They're just ready to give up. They were passionate about it, but once they got into it, they're like, oh, I don't know. I would say consider what is it that you really like or you thought you were going to like and your your top favorite things that are currently in the job and what aren't and what you feel is missing and then see if that's coming from the brand environment that you're in or the department that you're in because maybe you actually are more artistry and you think maybe like you enjoy applying it more than creating it so maybe you would be better being on the artistry team or if you feel like the products that you're creating just aren't exciting you, maybe you need to be at a brand that's, that fits your style more and you can be more excited about creating products that you would more, they would wear personally. And sometimes some environments just aren't healthy environments and it could just be the environment or leadership that you have. So I'd say it's really writing down and considering what is it that you're going through, what you like and don't like, and if that's where you're at and what you might need to do to change that. Yeah. Yeah. What's a resource that has helped you in your business that you can share with the friends and beauty community? I would definitely have to say networking 
I know I've mentioned that a few times, but that's that's a really big resource to be able to speak to a variety of people and to just get advice on anything and everything and kind of stay relevant in terms of what's happening in the industry and what's going on. I think all of those things are are the best resources to really network. And it at times you wonder when you're going through certain things, if you're crazy, <laughs> if you're crazy and why does it just feel like all your stuff feel like problems? And it's, it's nice to get other perspectives. So I would say that's definitely, definitely the biggest one is to keep your contacts close. Yeah. Yeah. So the last one, I just want you to fill in the blank and just say, my name is blank. And the key to longevity and success is whatever you think it is. My name is Kia Raglan and the key to longevity and success is your own happiness and finding what that really is. Mm-hmm. I agree. I like that answer, your own happiness. And only you can determine what that is. And that's why it's so unique to you. I love it. Before you go, I'm imagining that you don't have social media. You're just on LinkedIn, right? Are you on LinkedIn? No, I do have an Instagram. I am building it. I have to admit I'm not the best, but I'm trying to grow and, and learn and be better at social media. I think being a product developer, I'm so used to being in the background that I'm like, oh, don't put me on the front. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I know that that's something I am working on. So my Instagram is curly with a K, U-R-L-Y underscore Kiki. Okay, let's get her some followers. Let's welcome her to the platform. <laughs> Thank you. Yes, this has been such an amazing conversation. I really, really appreciate you so much for just being so open and sharing with us. And I learned so much. I can't wait to listen back to this episode. And I know that the Friends of Beauty community will appreciate this as well. So just thank you so much. And I wish I wish you much success in the role that you're in now and whatever you choose to do to ascend your career in the future. Thank you too. I really enjoyed speaking with you and being on your podcast. And I also wish you so much success. I've been listening to some of your your episodes getting ready for this and I'm going to continue to listen to them. And I heard your last one and we're all struggling and going through it. I know I heard you. I was I was listening and I was like, you know, we're all having those moments. And so I I feel like you're doing great things. You have a great personality. You ask good questions. So I wish you the best. Thank you so much, Kia. Thanks for listening to the Friends in Beauty podcast. Don't forget, sharing is caring. Share this episode with at least one friend in beauty and subscribe, rate, and review on Apple Podcasts so that other friends in beauty can find this show. Plus, we'd love to hear your feedback. Connect with us on all social media platforms at Friends in Beauty, hashtag Friends in Beauty to join the conversation and join our Friends in Beauty Facebook community to stay connected. Talk to you soon.